When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello there, you're watching and listening to another Scoutcast, fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is Mark. And I'm John T. And I'm Andy. And I'm Az. Right. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so on the week where we time travel through three game weeks in the space of seven days, we're back to basically pick over the wreckage with Nick in the Ascent and my team in the doldrums. Sickeningly, I'm joined by a buoyant Nick, who this week has surged again to a strong-looking spot. You right, mate? Yeah, I'm not bad, thank you. Uh, been a busy few uh, game weeks, which I've had some mild success on, which is contrast to the struggles I had last year. We're recording as well during the Arsenal-West Ham game, so if you hear Tom uh, shriek for joy at any point, which is a rare, a rare um, noise to hear from him <laughs> in, the current Arsenal, uh, in the current Arsenal situation, then... Uh, You'll know what's happened. I've just seen Creswell hack down Nicholas Pepe yet again. He's got yellow carded. Just to say who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore PL or at WGTA underscore Nick. And you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you'd like to, to get your pods. So um, what are we going to be talking about this week, Thomas? So uh, I think this time we're going to take a slightly different tack to usual and we're going to look at each other's squads this week and what happened over the busy period just gone. Uh, these are these kind of looking at questions like, what do we see in our evaluation of each other's decisions over these last three? Because it was quite a frenzied period, wasn't it? And speaking to that frenzied period, what can we learn for the upcoming Christmas madness? Because that was like a, a rehearsal onslaught of game weeks, wasn't it, in some ways? I'm lost to the features, of course, uh, the market forces and the uh, dad watch. Uh, I hear some rash transfers have been made, Nick, um, plus some questions for the community. Thanks for them. Yeah, thanks always for the questions, guys. So if we start with the game week's uh, reviews, I'm happy to go first. So it launches us into the conversation of our theme. So yeah, it was a good week for me again, 72 points here. It started relatively poorly actually with sort of Tamori uh, not showing up and Mane not showing up and TAA sort of coming on through his cameo to keep to help the team keep a clean sheet, a very uh, rare clean sheet for him there, which um, also meant Isaac Hayden was going to be a key member of my team this week, um, getting a, a two-pointer. But apart from those guys, it was a really good week for the rest of the team. Madison uh, doing the business, um, Captain Vardy, Rashford, new signing Deli Addy getting nine points as well, Jimenez, all doing the business. So, yeah, pretty happy with that. If we're going to talk about the last three game weeks, got 70 points the week before as well. So that's um, a double whammy in terms of returns. Uh, that was another good week. James Madison, again, getting some points for me. Uh, and uh, Sadio Mane, of course, the 15. And, and Marcus Rashford, really good signing he's been for the team, uh, getting a 13-pointer that week. And, and Mason Mount in his last hurrah my team. Also getting returned, Captain Vardy, uh, 10-pointer from him. was OK. The third week wasn't as good. This is when you started to catch me up, Tom, actually, with sort of 47 points for that week, game week 14. And we were on even Stevens at the end of that week, actually, as well. Um, you know, the likes of Sterling got seven points, but he got beaten by De Bruyne. Trent got a 10-point, and Jimenez and Rashford got assists as well. 
But yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great week with Captain Mane only getting four points. Yeah, certainly. I think we were even at that point because I got a 54 back in game week 14. Um, I captain Mane, that was literally just weekend before last, but that sounds like an absolute eon ago, doesn't it, in FPL terms? But anyway, um, I put Mane in as captain and Vardy went ahead and scored and Mane blanked against uh, Brighton, which was very annoying. Um, but that week I got a TAA, De Bruyne and Son contributing 30 points between them. Game week 15... Another bang average score, 54 to 57. So that was when you started to overtake me because you got a 70 that week. Um, I captain Vardy for a 10. He only got the one goal, but he got yellow carded for a, a doubtful penalty decision. Ended up 57. Wasn't that great. And this weekend just gone. Another bang average score. It kind of keeps happening. So 53 this weekend. Uh, the only three players who actually performed for me were Vardy, the captain, thank God, uh, Son and uh, Jimenez. So on Saturday, I was really annoyed. I said on the Slack, didn't I, Nick, that Son, I wish I captained him. You know, I've, I've missed out on differential. It feels like a missed opportunity. But actually getting the Vardy kind of captaincy right is, is pretty good because it means that I at least conserve my rank. But I've fallen about 100k places and over two, three chances, I really take a sonic screwdriver to my team going forward. And I suppose that procession of games is what we're going to be talking about because it's the decisions we made in those short-term kind of spaces for deciding what what we're going to do next which are coming under the microscope in this podcast we've had a few good questions on this as well so andy nash says that he's fallen from 28k to 183k but what can he do next time we have these fixtures chock a block to improve things and ketan asks why can't we stop over managing when we promise ourselves we won't to look at how we both did in this little period just as a well, we don't normally do this do we actually we normally uh, look at wider things but just in this sort of period but let's look at our own teams you've got 187 points over those three game weeks a slow start and a really solid sort of midweek and end week I got 165 just three bang average scores you earned 22 points over me and that's really made a difference we were both equal on points in game week 14 but coming out of game week 16 you've got a 22 point advantage got um, a little bit of an advantage um, yeah quite happy with that as I said I remember last year it was kind of like we had very similar teams and, and I think beginning this period as well we had very similar teams I think there's obviously a, a few key decisions and it just um, just a couple of um, key players that really make the difference and you do find that quite a bit that we're all bunched up we're all quite templated up but you know it's those odd players that are in your team that perhaps you're even not really sure about why they're still there or or if they're actually going to work out for you. Because I was I was doubting um, Madison, for instance, coming into game week 15. But, you know, he really proved himself the last couple of game weeks as like a, a key member of the team. And, um, you know, when he was sort of playing the Riker role in my team, because uh, one of my um, errors, perhaps, and the question was about overmanagement, my, one of my errors was actually undermanagement to a certain extent um, when I burnt that transfer in, in game week 12. And I, I didn't bring in Jamie Vardy, who was clearly the uh, the form player. And I, I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick with Riker here. I'm going to stick with Madison to try and do the business outside of owning Jamie Vardy. But then, of course, I got Jamie Vardy in, but I also kept Madison. And having that Leicester attacking double-ups really um, really benefited my uh, my team in the in the last couple of game weeks and him and yeah. him and Rashford, the other player that I brought in for the injured Tammy Abraham, really making that difference. I think the Rashford buy, um, for example, he's second for XG over the last six. So if you watch Man United as well, he's a live one. I mean, he's absolutely on fire. Uh, over the last three, he's gotten you 27 points, whereas Tammy's only only gotten 14 because he didn't play the first game, got 12 points in the second, and then only got two, a blank against Everton. I think that's... Uh, been one thing but as you said holding Maddie Matthew Jones says I've always been anti him and perhaps that's right I mean Josh said and always cheating and the lad can't shoot and that's probably true as well but I mean 
you can't argue with the fact that you've got the two points on like weekend before last and you've got a nine and a 10 that's 21 points adding it all together i bought son in at the start for game week 14 and that's worked out well uh, but that also means i couldn't bring in kind of maddie and as you covered my differentials it meant that i increasingly had nowhere to turn so i think what it seems to boil down to is that i had son and jimmy and they got 36 points for me but rashford and the guy you kind of undermanaged in as a differential nick uh, madison the two of them uh, managed to get 48 points for you and that really worked that and the uh the gazaniga uh move a little while ago two two and a six gets you 10 points versus just two points for pope throughout this whole period which is not good is it so it's, it's been very fine margins but i mean to ketan's question about over management in some ways you kind of undermanaged to begin with didn't you and then that's kind of how you've managed to get ahead of me almost because you have Maddie in there who just ticks over nicely. You do have under management. I think we talk about a lot about over management, but under management can can pay off. It can be negative. For instance, you know, hanging on to Raheem Sterling perhaps was a bit of a mistake of mine as well. Um, perhaps even I hung on to Mason Mount a little bit too long, but then he picked up a, a cheeky six points as well. So, you know, you, you can take lots of hits, you can sort of take lots of gambles, but sometimes, you know, you, you look at the players you're getting rid of and say, actually, is, is it really worth me selling them? Oh, it was an Arsenal goal. The Marcelli goal, I think. Yeah, yeah. Nice. <sighs> Tries to get an embarrassing. Sorry, Sage. Oh, my Lord. But yeah, I think um, I know oh. that you've you've did a little bit of management. For instance, you, I think you got rid of um, you got rid of Mount, didn't you? And you brought in Zaha, trying to to follow the talisman theory. And we're not too sure if Zaha really is the uh, the talisman at Crystal Palace. But you're eyeing up those tasty Crystal Palace fixtures at the time, and perhaps um, you know you could have perhaps looked at the defence, the likes of Guitar as a, a replacement for Nick Pope as well, but. You chose to stick with the man you had at the back. I know you always say, just leave him, just keep the main guy all season, see what he does. No point rotating around. But we we knew that Burnley were running into some really, really tricky fixtures. So you could have perhaps made a change there as well. So it often depends on the actual decision because sometimes over-management can be a good thing. That's the worry, isn't it? That sometimes you look at it and you think, oh, I could have moved Pope out a few weeks ago. And people who prioritise moving Pope out for Guaita are really rolling in it, aren't they? Like, a couple of really strong performances by Greater. I think you'd be 17 points up or I would be 17 points up if I'd done that on a freebie. It was just, it was just one of those. Like I, I brought in Chilwell alongside Son three weeks ago. Like Son, Son was obviously a good transfer in. And Chilwell, I thought, you know, I was being really smart. I had, you know, he'd got the following kind of procession over the last four, 19, 6, 6 and 8. And he got two bonus points in a, uh, a fairly drab game. So I thought, well, you know, he's a, he's a great buy. Why not? And he covered also kind of having a Leicester midfield like Madison. So in some ways, I reichered that, um, that Leicester attacking player back to a defender. It's a bit of a luxury punt, I suppose, as James Crow also uh, did. And yeah, the, the three that I had him in for, he got a blank, didn't play another blank. Absolutely ridiculous. And it was like a huge redistribution of funds. But so were you able to kind of go grab Rashford? I was kind of stuck with the VAJ. And as you mentioned, like Mount Zaha midweek, I think, I don't know whether it was over management or not with him. Because Zaha, the fixtures were good. He just scored two and two. And you've got to hope that the fixtures are going to get form. Like, it, it's hard to look back at that with hindsight and be like, that was a mistake. It's just in terms of the raw numbers, which aren't particularly great. Mount got 10 points over the last two game weeks. Zaha's got two clean cheese, so he's got six. So I lost four points and also a free transfer, aka flexibility. 
through doing that swap. I've made 0.1 on Zaha, which I may cash in again this week for maybe Martial, which we'll talk about later. Do you think Zaha is over management? Because you can see what I was doing. You can see I was looking to get that kind of differential in. It's just there was maybe no form about it, as we said. And I was I just got a little bit excited about it because it was differential. But I mean, do you think it was over management or would you have done it as well? I know you kept Mount, didn't you? Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too keen on that move, actually. I wasn't too hot on that move. I think he had got two goals in a row, so people were starting to say, oh, is Zaha the player that's that's coming into form? And obviously the uh, the fixtures were pretty amazing, but he, he's never really delivered on the uh, Premier League stage, to be honest. I mean, those were his first goals of the season. He, he's one of those players, if you think, oh, he's, he's trying to get into the, uh, the January shop window a little bit. He's kind of had enough um, of Crystal Palace. He's been wanting to move for a long, long time. And, and that's kind of been reflected in his performances a little bit. So I wasn't overly keen on that move. You know, Mason Mount did feel like a player that was, was ready to leave the team. You know, I, I was quite keen to get rid of him myself as well. But um, I ended up actually keeping him for a bit longer than I wanted to. And he delivered. But I think it's partly because Chelsea had some decent fixtures as well. So in that sense, you know, perhaps it was a little bit of overmanagement in that particular move. Decent pump, but perhaps um, you know not the best pick in hindsight. You know, no. Jack Grealish, for instance, Aston Villa's have done really well in the, in the last few weeks as well, hasn't he? Talismanic in in the Aston Villa team right now compared to Zaha. Yeah, definitely. I mean, flip back to our um, midweek bit on Talisman, if you haven't listened to it. It was just a bit of a live show that me and Nick did. We're definitely worth a look just because I mean, Zaha at the moment isn't the Talisman; it's Ayu at Palace. And last year it wasn't Talisman either, it was Millie. Um, although Zaha was obviously assisting a lot of those penalties. With uh, with Grealish, it was arguably the better move because I just would have kind of fixed that hole for Game Week 18. But those four oh, yellow cards are a bit annoying. That's oh, a brilliant goal. That's a great finish. Nicholas Pepe. Bye, bye, bye. He's here. He's made it. He's made it. That was one of those uh, prospects in the prospects. Like, remember the Salah one, which I was like, yeah, this guy's looking really good. Like Pepe, I was like, yeah, that guy's looking pretty good. Oh, yes, Pepe. What a finish, lad. It's not Bamiang assist, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's all right. We can, we can, we can live with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so if Grealish is on four yellow cards, and like with the two free transfers, Zaha would have been the easy way to enable Rashford, like removing him for Grealish. But I kind of just don't think I'm going to do that now. Like Grealish with four yellow cards, it's a tough one because like, I kind of want him. As you mentioned, he's a talisman, and he's in the middle of everything, isn't he? he scored this week the consolation against Leicester. So six point zero, he'd be really, really useful. It's just those four yellow cards. I just can't do it because I'm think, looking at it and thinking, well, if he gets a yellow card against Sheffield United, I've bought him in for uh, that liver blank game uh so yeah it's, it's, it's all tribulations to try to fit in rashford and i'm kind of jealous that the difference between us has been that when tammy got injured in the in the champions league i stayed put and uh you took the risk didn't you and moved on to rashford and that really has been what's fueled your rise uh, above me really yeah and you'd also broken the austin rule tom if you remember so you'd made your two free transfers <laughs> yeah. prior to that uh, champions league game which meant that if you were to sell tammy at that particular moment in time it, it would have been a minus four and i think that was part of your decision to to keep him and to to take the chance and even though that it was likely that he was going to be ruled out that next game you he decided it wasn't worth the minus four because it was going to be a potentially um, short-term injury that we'd recover very quickly from. So um, I think that's uh, yeah, that's a bit of a punishment because obviously I know you were thinking also that if you didn't do that minus four, you might have brought in Danny Ings and <laughs> Danny Ings and, and his glass ankles, as everyone likes to say, um, played every single game and has got triple nines uh, for the last three game weeks, which is uh, 
pretty, pretty oh don't remind me it's so annoying <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I considered ings as well because I, I could afford rashford but i still was thinking about oh maybe i should you know just get ings and use that um extra money elsewhere you know what put me off was the fact that there's like so many game weeks and you know last time i owned danny ings he, he was that sort of 57 minute man he would get uh, 45 minutes 57 minutes uh, one pointers and i had to swiftly sell last season so uh well played to those guys that, that brought him in and the Aubameyang's made it free, Tom, if you're watching. Yeah, <laughs> so I was muted, muted myself while I roared then. <laughs> oh, out of jail. All right. Uh, Pepe has members of my zombie team, actually. It's <laughs> quite good. So, oh, uh, it was getting really embarrassing. Yeah. Again, really, really sorry about that, Sidge. But yeah, Rashford, Nick, uh, what about him made you think he was worth bringing in for Tammy? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I was looking at Marcus Rashford and he, he was hitting a quite a rich vein of form before I'd even brought him in. He had, uh, he had four goals and two assists in the, in the last five games. And yeah, like I said, you know, Manchester United seemed like a, a team at that particular moment bereft of attacking returns. You know, they've, last season's um, talisman was Pogba. Uh, Martial was injured at the time. Obviously, they didn't have Sanchez and Lukaku. I talked about it a little bit on the Talisman Theory pod. You know, I, I wasn't sure about Marcus Rashford, but, you know, he, he fit the bill as kind of like a leading man at the at Manchester United. The the fixtures were all right. I think, you know, I was, I was actually eyeing up, really, that Aston Villa game. The home match, I thought that was a, a plum match. And when he didn't get a, a goal in that one, I was a bit disappointed with the transfer. I thought, this, this one's not worked out. But um, 13 points against Spurs, nine points against Manchester City. Yeah, seems like a Time Lord type uh, decision there to get him in. Definitely happy to have um, Rashford now for for the upcoming fixtures. They've got Everton, Watford, Newcastle, Burnley up next because he does look nailed on in that Manchester United attack. And then they look really good. That was like the best I've seen them since sort of almost the Ferguson era against Manchester City at the weekend. I was really, really impressed with their um, attacking play. You know, uh, gone are the days of park the bus. Um, perhaps that's coming to Spurs. I don't know. Or maybe not after that sort of 5 nil thrashing at Burnley. But I thought United played really well. And um, Rashford was that was that man that was making um, all of those attacks happen alongside Martial and Dan James, of course. Yeah, things are definitely improving at United, aren't they? So over the last five game weeks, they've had 50 shots in the box. Uh, the five game weeks preceding that, they only have 32. So they're definitely uh, amping upwards. And uh, I think part of that is um, Martial's return to the team and Rashford being able to inhabit a left-hand side that he seems to really like. Uh, maybe next year we'll see him as a uh, as a midfielder in FBL. That would be amazing, won't it? Although he might be one of those expensive ones if he keeps this up. spoke about um, him and Tasman theory, but Rashford is just absolutely nailing it for Man United at the moment as Aubameyang, who, as we mentioned, second ago has just scored uh, for Arsenal, uh, is doing the same job. But I guess going forward as well, as you just mentioned, it's good to have him and I'm, I'm in, in two minds about him because I'm kind of wondering whether the last two games you know the City it was Spurs those two games suited Rashford and suited United's counter-attacking play but is the creativity there for Rashford to be able to nail it against the sort of teams which are coming up I, I want to cover it I just don't know whether it's worth minus four whether it's worth selling Jimenez for like it seems a bit Seems a bit much, doesn't it? Like those are the moves that I'm kind of considering. But we'll talk about them later on. I, I guess the final thing here is 
for Christmas, are you going to take anything from that? Because it has been quite a frantic period and the fortunes really have changed. I'd like to think that it wasn't all luck, that there's a little bit of skill involved, but you know, not all decisions pay off. We can talk talk about all my historical bad moves as well. I just, you know, I made the right decisions, brought in the right players at the right times and hung on to the right players at the right time. I think, you know, over the Christmas period, it's going to be another period of quite a lot of fixtures, fixture congestion. So um, there's going to be a few moves where I might make some might take some transfers. I think for now, I'm probably going to roll my transfer again, allow myself two free transfers for the following game week and uh, over the Christmas period. And yeah, we'll see what happens. It was definitely my fault, I think, for just seeing that door close on Zaha. The fact was that there was another player there in Grealish I could have got and that would have not snookered me. I, I don't know. I'm not questioning it too much. I just think that his subsequent sort of outcome hasn't been particularly good, but I haven't got a TARDIS. And I still think it's true that if a talisman does emerge, it's worth buying them. Like there was an opportunity for me to move from, as you mentioned, Tammy to Ings. And I currently be 13 points up if I'd moved to Ings, despite the fact he was a bit of a glass man for a short-term punt, you know? You know I should have resisted the urge to make that midweek transfer. I could have done more this game week rather than just leaving it. Like maybe I could look at Rashford as well. As it is, I'm in two minds now. I'm in an awkward point because if I want to sell somebody to get Rashford, it's got to be Jimenez, whereas you've already solved that problem. You solved it a little while ago with Abraham out. So now I'm looking at it and thinking, oh, maybe it's Martial, but... Yeah, no, I agree with what you're saying. I think it's definitely true that it's hard to kind of take too much from it. I just think that maybe resisting that urge to make that transfer if you can bank it, despite the prices, is probably a good thing. Just because I'm I'm a little bit annoyed that I did do that. It's a hard move. I should have left it a little bit longer just to see. And that maybe would have meant I also had Kelly this week as well. So, yeah, quite a tough few rounds, I suppose. But think about over the last kind of few games, how small the space was in the sliding doors and how uh, things could turn out so differently or... Uh, not turned out as well as they have, uh, depending on your point of view. All right, let's take a break there and move on to the features. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to go for our features now. Just three for you this week. The Market Forces, the Over 30s and Dab Watch. Let's start with the Market Forces then. You're the man across numbers, Nick. What's going on? So yeah, it's um, actually Marcus Rashford, the aforementioned Marcus Rashford that's top of the Market Forces right now with over 200,000 uh, transfers in, really starting to attract the attention of managers, what with his rich vein of form that he's he's currently in. He's, he's now up to uh, 10 goals, which is um, matching his record from last season. So he looks um, well set to, to break his uh, sort of Premier League scoring record as he really has that sort of you know, breakthrough for season that I guess we've all been waiting for from the, from him. So uh, definitely seeming to, to break that template, that vag uh, is becoming more of a, a VAR, isn't it now? So uh, um, Rashford really um, starting to attract the attention of managers. But players being sold actually, it's the Manchester City duo. And I think we got some questions about uh, Manchester City a little bit later on in the pause, but it's both De Bruyne and Sterling that are, are being sold. It's not just um, Sterling, who's um, been on a really poor... Um, run of form now he's only got one goal in sort of six games which is quite unlike him so um sterling has had um, over a hundred thousand transfers out but de Bruyne as well he's also um getting the sales now people deciding that he's not worth holding either um after a couple of blanks um for the belgian international but um, you know they do have a couple of tough fixtures arsenal and leicester up next so 120,000 managers have sold him but um you know perhaps 
few people looking at some other midfielders, uh, specifically the Spurs players. So it's not just your man Sod who, who scored an absolute um, worldie of a goal at the weekend. No, it was um, so good, wasn't it? The solo goal, my lord. As, uh, as Ashira said, just suspend the goal of the season now. It was brilliant. The South Korean commentary was sublime, absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, was, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant goal. Um, Son's had 180,000 transfers in and also Deli Ali, who I brought in for his nine-pointer, 100,000 transfers in. Ali, of course, attracting a lot of attention with his brilliant runner form as well with sort of three goals, three assists in the last four. Mourinho really seems to have had um, a brilliant impact on that. Spurs attack um, with Harry Kane as well, also picking up a brace. Yeah, certainly. And I think that De Bruyne and Sterling are paying the price, aren't they, for uh, those players emerging? And I think rightly so. That after a five nil, the Man United game was a bit of a blip, and as you said afterwards, they were a bit arrogant. And I think that apart from that moment of magic from him, there wasn't very much in that game. But outside of that, I mean, there have been a lot of goals scored for Spurs. They've scored thirteen goals in four games, and I think it's absolutely right. Like Son's up to ten point zero now, rose overnight. So I can see why people are selling uh, De Bruyne and well, definitely I can see why people are taking the opportunity to exterminate Sterling from their sides. Elsewhere, um, Jimenez being sold still in midweek. He was a surprise kind of higher sold uh, player. Uh, this week again, he's been sold uh, 102,000. Vardy still being bought, Nick. Incredibly, people still haven't got that guy. Uh, 76,000 people have got him in. Aubameyang paying the price too. And finally, Pulisic. Um, he's, uh, really, he's really not done very well, has he? And people are kind of thinking, well, it's time to delete and bring in uh, other players it looks like uh, the runaway new budget hero martin kelly uh, he's been bought by a lot of people hasn't he nick yeah martin kelly he's been brought by hundred thousand managers people um, looking at that rich vein of the uh, form crystal palace are in at least defensively three clean sheets now in a row 6.6.8 points for martin kelly over those uh, a little bit frustrating for yourself tom having played the lord john lundstrom who seems to be the, the former 4.0 million hero right now what with uh, martin kelly doing the business Rico, also having done the business a little bit earlier, he's attracting a lot of managers' attentions, probably just because of this bargain price, really. Yeah, definitely. Very, very annoying this week. I didn't want to go into it earlier, but put Campwell first and Kelly second on the bench. Uh, I'd supposed to audit before and said, I'm going to put Kelly first. And I just, I just forgot to change it, basically. It was really annoying. Uh, but anyway, yeah, no, I can see why he's being bought, and yeah, he, he's a really, really vital individual to have. I mean, I've got Lundstrom, Rico, and Kelly in my team at the moment. Like, imagine if you started with those three four point zero players, like the amount of value you'd have in your team. Uh, way betide those people who were uh, flogging big at the back at the start of the season. Don't know who they were. Right, let's move on to the over thirties then. Uh, speaking of Cybermen, wasn't it, Tom? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely not us. Right, let's move on to the over 30s then. Uh, this is our team of players who are 30 and above to celebrate the milestone Nick and I have hit. Uh, this week, it's 58 for them. Uh, Captain Vardy and Aubameyang um, up front. Aubameyang still playing, of course. Um, could get a couple of bonuses as well to push them into 60+. plus. Um, in midfield, nothing happened. Uh, Willian, Oatsil still playing right now. He came in this week. David Silva, uh, Moutinho and uh, MacArthur not doing very much for Moutinho. Uh, he returned in four games in four, I think, before this point. Uh, at the back, uh, Johnny Evans with the goal. Basham, very, very lucky because he, he was sent off and his red card was the first red card ever to be overturned by VAR in the Premier League. On the bench, though, Cahill with an eight and Cathcart with a five. So quite a lot of points bench for over 30s. But they're doing pretty well, actually. They're due to get to the top million um, after this game week it's been quite a good one for them and long may it continue but running out of transfers to make Nick with Aguero out 
There's not that many strikers. McGoldrick in the team at the moment, the non-goal scoring forwards. Like, I don't really know where we go. I'm looking at that wild card, and I just don't know what we're going to do with it because there's only a finite amount of players who have hit that age bracket. So maybe we'll burn the wild card over 30. So I think it may be a bit restrictive, really. Yeah, I'm not really sure who you could bring in on a wild card, to be honest. You know, the likes of Glenn Murray um, showed up for an, a one-pointer, didn't he, at the weekend? But him and, you know, also players like James Milner aren't even playing. So, uh I don't know if you got Oatsall. He's he's decided to uh, to make an appearance. Yeah, I got him in this a, week. A dodgy um, missed header earlier. Looked like me playing FIFA off the back of one of your corners there, Tom. Just, ooh, <laughs> quite, quite Always hit the corner yeah. flag. It's great clearance from the assistant um, manager. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, but yeah, talk, talking about over thirties. Um, <laughs> Segway. Time, time for dad watch. Or, you know, over fifties really. It was an it was all right week with him as well. He's he's not you know been tearing up trees recently, unfortunately. And you know, we the first to admit that, but you know he's still up there in the uh, in the top hundred k. Pretty decent. Just the fifty five points for him this particular game week, or fifty six actually, because he's going to have Rico come off the bench from Mane for this one pointer. But yeah, it's, it's still just also captain on. Um, Vardy for 26 points, a bit like your team really, Vardy and Son basically making up the entire sort of point selection um, and uh, James Madison also um, getting a nine but you know likes to Pope got zero in goal and, and Dunk got zero as well unfortunately for him and he, he's, made, he's made a couple of early moves um, with Charleston and Johnny Evans has come in for him so he, he's brought in some big hitters and um, gone for the Everton talisman someone that's Perhaps on your radar as well. I'm going for Johnny Evans, who, um, you know, he's following true to his theory in terms of bringing in the players with the most points because Johnny Evans is his third highest scoring defender now with 75 points. He's really sort of flying under the radar, what with all the, the rest of the Leicester success. And actually, Evans has like more points than the likes of Mason Mount and um, Roberto Firmino, which is, is quite ridiculous, really. There's a rumour that he might be making an appearance on the 13th as well. We'll have to see. <laughs> What's his rank at the moment? Is he going in there proud? Um, I think he'll be going in there proud. I mean, he's, his rank at the moment is 56k, so yeah, pretty decent. Yeah, doing very well, a position that many of us managers would kill for. All right, let's take a break, Benek, and move on to the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist Mini League. We can't really do a proper update just because of all the sort of auto subs, the Arsenal game going on and, you know, a few VAR devices that might have Captain Mane that we might have missed. So apologies if we have missed you, but there has been a lot of change at the top of the um, table. And it's actually become really congested, which makes it really hard to actually see who's top at the moment. But just a quick shout out to Abdul Islam. Um, looks like he's got a 70-pointer overall rank 162nd at the moment, which is pretty damn fantastic. And Luke Burgess as well, um, really rising to the top. 84 points um, at time of recording. A bench Saha, interestingly, Tom, so I didn't follow you there. Um, Wish uh, I'd done that. Game week rank of uh, 65k, 164th overall rank at time of recording so yeah and really lots of lots of people doing really well actually in the mini league i don't know if they've been listening to our advice probably not but um yeah well done all the guys who are right at the top of the who got the assist mini league because quite a lot of them seem to be in the top sort of a thousand as well absolutely smashing it and uh, plus you know like it's been the majority of page one have hit a thousand points uh, before the halfway mark which is pretty damn good so well done, everybody. All right, um, this week, there's a couple of things to mention. First is that I'm lending out my vocal talents to another podcast yet again after last week's appearance on the Hub podcast. Uh, this time around, we're reciprocating the favour after Luke Jurdy came on the pod a few weeks ago. 
I'll be doing that with Luke and uh, Rich Wolfenden tomorrow, so that will be out soon. Find them if you want to hear me there and listen to them too at Triple Captain Free. Also, this Friday is the Who Got Me Assist slash Fancy Wall Hub Christmas party for this year, Friday the 13th of December. That's in the Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill from 6pm onwards. Expecting to get a mega turnout. Really, really cool to hear where people are coming from, you know, from Northern Ireland to Oman, people flying in. Our friend uh, Kun Karam, Karam Tizers, flying in from Netherlands. The likes of FPL General have uh, kindly RSVP'd yes as well. So it should be an excellent, excellent night. So if you can, cash those brownie points, clear those diaries, block your calendars and definitely try to make it. The Marley Bone Sports Bar and Grill from 6pm. Both very excited about that and should be an absolutely fantastic night. All right, uh, let's move on to the questions then, Nick. A few things to talk about this week. The first one is uh, Magnus Carlsen. Yeah, he's uh, all over the news at the moment because in the world he's uh, gotten up to number six. His charge, his relentless charge forward is, is absolutely crazy, isn't it? He's done really, really well. Uh, those fish tacos on a Friday night, they seem to eat in Scandinavia, really doing wonders for him. And uh, the first question is from FBO Yogi, who asks, are we being done over by Magnus Carlsen? Should he be given the advice? Because he's been doing absolutely fantastically, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. He, he just seems to be operating in a different time and space uh, to the rest of us. Just, just a completely different level. Um, you know, God knows how he's doing it. But, you know, we are talking about a chess champion here. We, we're talking about, you know, an absolute genius, which kind of proves um, one thing which we often talk about is how much luck is actually involved in FPL because we've always been moaning about luck, aren't we? We were saying, you know, things didn't work out my way. These transfers were really unlucky. This happened, this happened, this happened. It was all... All luck, all luck, no skill involved at all. But you know, when you see like the likes of Magnus Carlsen, he's he's clearly sort of you know, like in chess, he's clearly thinking sort of five transfers ahead or five moves ahead in terms of what he's doing, the shape of his team. For instance, he's he's managed to line up with sort of a double Liverpool, um, double Spurs pivot in midfield, which I just thought was absolute genius. The way he's he sort of fitted in Son Abbey and Salah and Manning in his teams, and though he's been He's actually been a little bit unlucky in terms of Salah and Mane and their little bit of rotation there. It's, it's really seemed to be quite um, effective. And it's obviously, I reckon there's probably been a, quite a bit of forward planning in terms of making those kinds of decisions and those kinds of moves. So, you know, he, obviously he's not the kind of person perhaps to give away his advice because he, he's got his own tricks to the trade and he <laughs> beat the rest of us whilst do, um, you know, relatively okay, but not, you know, we're not turning up any trees like Magnus is. So maybe uh, Magnus should do his um, own podcast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Neil Murray, another resident of Scandinavia, uh, said on the preseason podcast, didn't he? He highlighted the moment last year when um, everybody else was on one captain and uh, Magnus went another way. And definitely until that midweek game with 15, everybody was on Vardy uh, for Watford. I think the effective ownership was almost 180%. So basically everyone who owned him captained him and then some in the top 100k. But he went for Captain Salah and Vice Mane. Uh, against Everton of course Salah didn't play so the vice went to Marne and he got 30 points a 78 point game week and that really pinged him up above people so those high state gambles at points when there is a seemingly obvious captaincy deviating from the herd and going with that alternative definitely seems to have paid off for him and definitely see what he's doing he said in an interview that uh, it was a, a lot about luck but a few of his friends have said that he's absolutely obsessed with FBL which is absolutely awesome be really interesting to hear his thoughts hopefully he'll tell us more if you're listening Magnus definitely get in touch we'll have you on the podcast anytime right moving on uh, midfielders Nick uh, it's, it's all the rage at the moment uh, because lots of people are looking as you mentioned at the market forces at Son and Ali um, and a few people are wondering how the hell we do that uh, which players they 
they're going to bring him who they're going to shun there's also a liver blank coming up game with KC in Liverpool and West Ham have a blank uh, so Mitchell Sterling says he's thinking of selling Mane on game week 18 but there's a lot of people looking at another man Kevin De Bruyne and thinking is it time to move him on uh, so FPL Frank Hefty Horse Paul Pryor FPL Hype and Zod ask is it time to just get rid of City or mostly Kevin De Bruyne is it time to just kind of divest of City um, and just kind of go with other options I mean Nick let's, let's focus on um, on City because I'm guessing we're both keeping Mane aren't we I think so, yeah. At the moment, yeah. I will be keeping Mane. I think it often depends on how much um, money you've got tied up with a player. I think I've got probably about 0.5 million worth of price rises out of the guy. I don't really want to sell him. I know it's it's going to be a little bit of a challenge. It's definitely going to be a week where your bench is going to be very important. If um, you have Mane, if you also have Trent, I mean, a lot of people are tripled up. And I think you, if, if you are tripled up on Liverpool, you do have to really consider selling one of them just to give yourself that extra flex for for the liver blank but um yeah with mané um, he's definitely staying in my team well, i've got so much tied up in that guy and um, i probably handle it for one week and there's going to be a relentless remorseless focus for on the title isn't there uh, but i suppose you could be looking at kevin de bruyne and thinking he might be one you can get rid of uh, one you can move on i mean there's a lot of people obviously asked about him, Nick. What do you think about him? Is he a player who's expendable to you or do you think that he's one that you're going to keep hold of? He does seem to be yo-yoing out of my team a little bit. I've only just put back in. This year's hazard, isn't he? <laughs> he is this year's hazard because he's actually just come back in um, for me. So I sold Sterling for De Bruyne and then I used that money to to upgrade Mount to Ali, but it, it'd be a bit crazy for me to, to sell him again. And with Manchester City, they have had some um, pretty challenging fixtures and, you know, they've still got a, quite a few coming up. I mean, you know, Arsenal up next, I suppose you could call it a challenging fixture, maybe not in the current climate, but after that it's Leicester and then it's Wolves and, you know, Sheffield United as well, a team that have proved themselves um, quite strong defensively this season. So I think... Um, you know, there is a definitely cause for setting uh, De Bruyne and, you know, going for some sort of Spurs double up in midfield um, after that fantastic performance by Tottenham against uh, Burnley. But, you know, De Bruyne is um, one of the sort of star players, I guess, of the season. He he has seemed a little bit out of form alongside the rest of the Manchester City attack just in the last couple of game weeks. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write him off yet. You know, he's still sort of, in terms of the... The underlying stats, he's still right up there. He's created 46 chances, for instance, which is 15 more than any other midfielder. 12 big chances created. He's got nine assists, which is uh, more than twice any other midfielder. So, you know, he's in our teams for a reason. That's because of his, um, you know, amazing stats that he's generated. And, you know, he's, it's not just um, assists with De Bruyne as well. You know, he's he's got a few goals as well. Three goals and um, 30 goal attempts, which is in the top 10 for midfielders. So, I think for me, you know, he's he's quite expensive now, 10.2 million, but we're still talking about Manchester City and they've been absolutely brilliant for the last few seasons. So I'll certainly um, not write them off at this stage. And, you know, he's probably not going to go straight away for me. I don't, I don't know what you're thinking. Are you keeping De Bruyne in your team? Yeah, well, I bought him a 9.5, so I don't think it's going anywhere for me. I think for you, you there's maybe more because, you know, you're not losing anything on him almost. So he, there might be a cause to remove him a bit more than me. You mentioned the fixtures are good. It's still Man City. The underlying stats are still good. So he's had more key passes, according to Fans Football Hub, over the last four game weeks than any other player. Um, and also creates the second most big chances. Um, uh, Son has actually created the most big chances over the last few, which is quite crazy, actually, considering who he is. He's got the highest XA as well, 3.17, which is 
is quite a lot. Um, but yeah, De Bruyne, for me, I got him at 9.5. He, he definitely feels like it's going to be a big decision to sell him. I feel like I really need to uh, be convinced that it's time to talk about Kevin. And for me, it's just a case of just leaving him in there for now um, and seeing seeing kind of how they do because inevitably the fixture is going to be better. Um, there's no kind of European distractions very, very soon for, for Man City. So I'm kind of thinking, well... If I'm a doctor and I'm looking at it, I don't think that he is the place in my team I'm looking to fix. I don't know. I, I think that De Bruyne is staying around for me for the time being. And I mean, it is very tempting to jump off Man City and think, well, the focus is going to completely be on the Champions League now. The title has gone. But it's also not true to say that Man City won't be scoring, won't be getting points in the Premier League. Like, they're not going to give up altogether, despite the fact they've got a rickety defence and, and an attack which uh, was looking a bit cowed against United, a bit out of ideas. But you know, the, the fixtures, as Nixon says, are to come. And I think it's just not, not time to be subbing out on De Bruyne for now. Um, I've got Son alongside him. I've got uh, Malne alongside him. Still got Zaha. And I'm also looking at uh, Campwell as well, maybe staying. I'm not too sure yet. Uh, so you, you can fit in quite a decent kind of layer of players around De Bruyne. I think really it does depend on uh, whether you have him for 9.5 or if you've got him for 10.2. So you've got him for 10.2. You can be removing him, can't you, Nick? Yeah, exactly. I think having that extra flex is useful. But yeah, I think it is a bit of a dangerous move when you think about selling a player which you know you're going to have to buy back at some point potentially but you're essentially writing off sort of 0.3 million of of your transfer value so there is a little bit risk involved in in that kind of move but so yeah going back to Mitchell's question on on Mane about do we keep Mane and other Liverpool players for the for the blank I I think for me I think it is a case that I'm I'm going to hold the the Liverpool players but if you do have three sell one but the likes of Trent I think my dad's actually got rid of Trent but uh, the likes of Trent um, and Mane I think they're probably going to stay in my team and I'm just going to have to rely on a few of the uh, you know extras in your team and it's not really it's not a season as we've discussed it's not a season where we've got a player that's not playing at all in our teams just because of the beauty of some of these 4.0 million defenders that can step in for instance you know it's the perfect week for instance for Martin Kelly to actually get some game time in your team for instance in the absence of Trent and um, when he's playing Newcastle and he could be easily another clean sheet you know Sheffield United, Lundstrom as Brighton, uh, Bournemouth's got Burnley at home so you know you could be looking at a lineup of Rico and Lundstrom and Kelly all playing for you Tom for instance and um, not not having two bad fixtures even you know potentially all keeping clean sheets so you know I think you can get away with benching the likes of Trent or Robertson or benching the likes of Mane and Salah um, just for that one week, and uh, you you want, as I've said before, you want them straight back in your team anyway because they're Liverpool, and you know they're absolutely dominating in the Premier League this season, and um, you know they'll have a great fixture run after that and a potential double game week as well um, coming up after that soon. So um, yeah, uh, I think for me they're just going to have to stay there on the bench, and uh, I'll get through that week with um, using some of the extra players in my squad. Yeah, same here. Um, I've got Rico in now. I brought him in uh, yesterday because Chilwell was dropping and just thought I was the cheapest possible defender. Uh, so Rico uh, will play in the liver blank. 
Um, yeah, no, I know what you mean about Liverpool. And the good thing is as well is that they're going to be red flagged. So any kind of price movement is going to be frozen uh, for a little while and then be unfrozen as well when they're unflagged. Uh, so you're all good really in terms of conserving the price of those. Uh, if you're like me and you've brought in TAA at 7.0, he's the one player who's been in my squad since game week one. And if you brought him and you brought Mane in at kind of close to the, the starting price when you may have got him in about 11.8, 11.7, is it really worth selling them, bringing them back? That's a lot of money to try to make up. Um, it's the same as people who sold Tammy are trying to make up now. Um, so really, I, I think it's worth holding them and just kind of relying on your greater squad. We've been blessed with that this year, whereas in the kind of previous years, we were looking at a load of dub players coming in. I mean, the worst player on, on your team, Nick, is looking at like Hayden that week and probably for me, you know, looking like someone like Campwell. So, I mean, it's bad, but it's not terrible. You haven't got that many of those sort of players because like Lindstrom, Rico and Kelly are such 4.0 heroes. Now, obviously a lot more expensive, but I think you'll be able to do the job. Yeah, exactly. I don't even think I need to play um, Hayden, Tom. I think he can still remain on the bench. So, yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely one of those seasons where there's plenty of flexibility in terms of the squad. And, you know, it's a good week to use all those 15 men because I know a lot of people have been bemoaning the bench points this season haven't they benching Cantwell points benching Kelly points I've complained many times about benching Rico's points but it's a good game to, to give them all um, time in the team see what they can do and inevitably they're all blank um, next question is about Jack Grealish who we mentioned briefly earlier as well Hobbs and Triple Nutmeg have asked us is it worth buying Jack Grealish despite the four yellow cards We've discussed this a little bit on WhatsApp as well, haven't we, Tom? The fact that you could have brought in Grealish this week, but you didn't really want to because it'd be horrendous if he did get that fifth yellow card and and that's actually absent for that uh, liver-blank game because that would completely uh, defeat your strategy there. With Grealish, the, the issue is, of course, that he's on four yellow cards. So he would be a nice way for me to get to Rashford, a nice way to move off Zaha, who I just, the patience is quite low with him. I'm aware he's only had 30 minutes uh, with 11 men uh, at home. So maybe he will stay for another week. But with Grealish, there's a lot of people, obviously, who are who were looking at him thinking, oh, he'd be a great enabler and put up by the four yellow cards. I'm one of them. And it would be devastating, as you mentioned, to bring him in uh, for the Sheffield United game, for him to get a yellow card and for him to miss the favourable game with Casey and Fixture. Uh, but Nick, I guess... Something in his favour to bring in, if you feel is a critical part of your transfers, is the uh, the story of Diego da Silva Costa, otherwise known as Diego Costa when he was at Chelsea. There was that time a few years ago uh, when he uh, was on four yellow cards in game week seven. And you and I both owned him, so we were both kind of quite happy, expecting it to come, etc., etc. And those people who were looking at him, he was like, I think he was the key, apart from Kane, a second striker at that point. Those people just didn't look at him because it was on four yellow cards. Between game week 7 and 17 that year, when he got his fifth yellow card, he went on to accrue a massive 81 points. <laughs> so those who missed out on that, due to the fact that he had four yellow cards, missed out on a lot of points that it was difficult for them to make up. It's not yeah. the case that you can say that Grealish is Diego Costa, uh, but it's just a cautionary tale, I suppose, and how you can overlook a player because of disciplinary. And maybe with Grealish, there's a case to bring him in regardless because there are lots of good fits for them around Christmas, right? 
Yeah, exactly. I think, um, especially with sort of Diego Costa, everyone's like, oh, he's a live wire. He's going to get sent off any minute. He's going to get that fifth yellow card very, very easily. And he actually showed um, incredible discipline um, during that period, much to the frustration of the managers that were not bringing him in, waiting for that yellow card to happen. And, and you look at that and you know that players definitely do know about that you know, the fifth yellow card is why you rarely see um, a player get a second yellow as well. It'll be in the back of Jack Grealish's mind. He's not a defender. He doesn't need to make too many aggressive tackles. So, you know, I, I'd be very surprised if he, he has a moment of ill discipline in the next couple of game weeks and gets that fifth yellow card. I think, you know, Dean Smith saying, don't jump in on tackles. You know, you're, you're far too key and, uh, and he'll be definitely following that advice but so I think you know obviously he's going to get yellow carded now next game week but I think you know Grealish I do think he's a really good pick perhaps the, the best pick out there in terms of that sort of fourth midfielder fifth midfielder slot um, you know the underlying stats pretty as well he's, he's creating lots of chances for Aston Villa second only to um, uh, Kevin De Bruyne in terms of the um, chance created stats this season so um, yeah I think Jack Grealish uh, really starting to, to prove himself as, as um, Premier League quality this season and uh, is, is worth considering, especially if it enables you to, to get in the likes of Rashford up front. Yeah, certainly. Uh, definitely showing talisman appeal, isn't he? With uh, Wesley misfiring up front. Shut up, Wesley. Right, uh, moving forward then, the Jota Junta is next question. So Jeremy Lewis asks, does Jota become someone we start to monitor closely? Because he was so good in the second half of last season. Those like myself who brought him in at the start of the season will be a little bit miffed at his name coming up again. Uh, but he definitely seems to be a reformed player. The two goals he scored against Brighton were very well taken. Has he turned the corner for the year? Uh, he's asking because you know Jimenez uh, over the last couple of games seen lots of sales. He's dropped 0.2, I think it is in price uh, over the last few game weeks. So it's time to look at Jota, or you know, with that third striker slot, should we be looking at pouring money in or taking money out? I know he's just sort of scored a brace, but yeah, I still think I think Jimenez is, is the main man you're going to want in that in that Wolves front line, and uh, you know, um, it was Jota that got his returns, but they've been a long time coming. You know, he's. He's been a serial blanket, really, this season, hasn't he? He's uh, never really delivered on on sort of the Premier League uh, stage. A massive blanker in my team. Yeah, he's been he's been a massive blanker, and uh, you know, um, it's been a bit of a struggle for him, really. And uh, you know, he's he's one of the players that always seems to get hooked as well um, around the seventy minute mark. I'm still not too sure about him as um, an FPL asset. He's he's cheap. He's relatively cheap. He's quite good at sort of six point one million, but you know, why would you want Jota if you can get sort of Danny Ings at that same price, I think, to be honest. So, you know, I'm not I'm not sold on him. I, I'd probably say if you've got sort of that 6.1 million-ish um, in the bank, you know, see if you can stretch it to the likes of Danny Ings at 6.3. Now, I think that's my opinion on Jota. I think Jimenez is the, is the one you want in that um, front line. With the Rashford sort of argument, Wolves are about to come up against some pretty difficult fixtures. You know, coming up, they've got Tottenham at home, Man City at home, and Liverpool away in the next four. Um, admittedly, 2021 23, after New Year, Watford, Newcastle, and Southampton are good games, but. Wolves are looking like one of those teams at the moment which aren't going to score very much. It looks like the ceiling is fairly low for their players. I may be talking myself into it because I'm looking at potentially selling Jimenez. It's just that game of 18 against Norwich. It's obviously a big factor in keeping him. So I, d- I just don't know really at the moment. But I definitely wouldn't be looking at Jota for them, that's for sure. If you're looking at third strikers at the moment, there's a lot of value in the, in the premium strikers. Vardy, Abraham, Jimenez, 
Rashford. There's lots of players who are kind of floating around. And I'd be looking to, to invest more rather than less in the strikers. I just don't see where the money would go right now, especially with Liverpool um, coming into the blank. Like You're not going to be um, using them for a lot of your uh, cash allocation. So it's just, it's just not worth it, I don't think. I think... Yeah, it's it's, it's 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 not really time to look at Jota right now. Could be a nice little differential if you really need the money elsewhere. But for me, I agree with you. Still best to go with the, the talisman Jimenez. But the overall points yield is looking like it's going to be lower than we expected, I think. I really wish I had Rashford at this point. I really, I really wish I had Rashford at this point. I just, uh, <laughs> I really wish I had Rashford at this point. Uh, but I just... Uh, Release Rashford. Yeah, uh, yeah. Washford, Washford has risen uh, quite a few, quite a few points in Wally. Uh, but really, like, I, I, I just, I just don't know. I, I just don't know. And I, I, I'm still deliberating on him as so I just think he's the one to keep. I think for Wolves, especially I've got the seven point one. Uh, and the next question, Nick. Uh, uh, I guess the final question this week is the unchallenged papacy. Uh, so we're talking Avignon. We're talking about uh, two popes. Uh, but actually, what we're talking about is the Burnley goalkeeper, Jimmy McIntyre, and Odera Martin ask us questions involving the goalkeeper. So Guaitar has outscored Pope massively over the last few game weeks. Those people keeping Pope, like myself, how do we feel? Should we be more open to uh, goalkeeper substitutions and goalkeeper transfers? Because it's something that I persistently said, it's not a fire, I'm not going to look at it. But the point remains that if I'd have swapped Pope for Guaitar, I'd be double digits ahead of where I am right now. So, yeah, maybe it was a time to take the opportunity to move a keeper and I missed it, Nick. Yeah, I think so. I think there's certainly a few weeping angels that have um, missed out on those Pope transfers out. And I think I've said to you at the time that you should consider selling Pope um, with one of your transfers and you dismissed my advice saying you, you weren't going to be I didn't it. dismiss it. I, 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 was, I, was, I you, sneered. You read it. You read it. <laughs> you sneered at the advice, um, which um, would have actually paid off. Um in the end so i think i think you do have to consider goalkeeper transfers you know for instance i am i have been thinking about getting rid of gaza but um he, he finally got me a very rare spurs clean sheet but he was on the dropping block a little bit and i was thinking about um getting rid of him so you know i think you do have to weigh it up i think it's unfortunate gator was actually here in five million at the start of the season perhaps um overpriced slightly at the time which has meant that a lot of us have have um, missed out on his returns because Crystal Palace have done very well recently and he's, um, he's I think they've got three clean sheets in a row, haven't they? So, he, and Guitar's not just picked up clean sheets, he's picked up save points. So he's picked up 26 points in those three game weeks, which is pretty damn impressive. And so I think, yeah, definitely, um, you do need to consider goalkeeper transfers every so often. I think just, to, it's not really always depressing priority. I appreciate that. There's always... Um, something else that perhaps you know you're looking at your star players and switching them around most of the time but I think you can track the goalkeepers as well and we, we knew that Nick Pope had some really tough fixtures coming up and uh, Manchester City and Spurs one point between those two games and only one pointer against Crystal Palace as well the Burnley defence has um, has dropped a little bit in form after those sort of two back-to-back clean sheets before that you do need to consider um, the occasional swaparoo in, in the goalkeeper position yeah, definitely. I mean, the the issue probably is is that 
through the benefit of hindsight, we can see that Guaytar was the man to bring in. But I think three weeks ago, there was definitely a choice between him and Dean Henderson. I know a lot of people did bring in Denders and went with a double up Sheffield United. I mean, somebody on the Fantasy Hub uh, podcast may have advised that it was a good sword uh, to bring them both in. Again, no idea who that was. Uh, but the reality is that, you know, if you'd brought in Henderson, you wouldn't really have made very much on Pope. There was a three pointer, one pointer, and a three pointer over the last three game weeks. So just seven points. I mean, the difference in him and Pope was obviously still five points, but I mean, five points versus one transfer. Hmm, I don't know. I don't know, Nick. I don't know if it was worth it. I think it's one of those things where, you know, Pope has now got three fairly good games that he keeps clean sheet in, in uh, Newcastle at home, Bournemouth away, Everton away. And it might be the case that I just keep hold of him, to be honest, just because I've got other things I want to deal with still, um, to, to your point. So, yeah, it is tough. Sometimes it's nice, you know, as Gator buyers saw, to be able to project what's going to happen. And uh, if, if you get on the right side of that, the clean sheets are kept, then, you know, you're rolling in the points. But as people who looked at Sheffield United and thought, well, Wolves, Newcastle, Norwich, those are three clean sheets Sheffield United found out, it's really hard to predict. And often you can find yourself in a bit of a, a, bit of a model. Like, I, I, I can't remember in the past when you've moved a keeper around because like I moved a keeper around last year. I sold uh, Edison and brought in Etheridge at one point, I think it was, to do some kind of financing. But I can't remember the last time you moved a keeper around outside the wildcard, Nick. I just I just don't think it's something you do, is it? But I think last season I was fooling around with the goalkeepers, if you remember infamously on, on New Year's Eve, um, my Crystal Palace. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Crystal Palace balls. Oh, Spironi in, whoops. <laughs> yeah. So a couple of Speronis, uh, too many Speronis there. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he do do it, <laughs> he do do it occasionally. But he's kind of he's not always the uh, the number one um, number one um, priority in your team, is it? At the end of the day, unless a player goalkeeper gets injured, you tend to just stick with the man you've got. Unless the team is absolute dross, and and we do know that Burnley are, are relatively solid, not most of the time in defence, and, and even when they're performing po- uh, poorly, Pope does pick up a few. Um, save points typically so we a little bit unlucky that he did so poorly in those few game weeks I don't think I would have been able to predict that I was expecting more like three pointers from him if I was going to be honest basically it's best in some match tenders Guaytar has outperformed if we're going to, if we can even have the overperforming debate for goalkeepers I think Guaytar really has outperformed what we expected especially when the, the fact they went down to 10 men um, and you could have covered him with Kelly if I was smart enough to play him as first bench so uh, there's lots of different ways to look at it I think it really does depend on your situation with keepers. My position hasn't changed too much because, I mean, I did, I did get two nine-pointers in a row from Pope uh, before the most recent terrible run. Uh, so, yeah, may, maybe I should have doubled down. Maybe keepers can be in form and still provide us points. But maybe with Guaytar as well, I'd be looking at that 5.0 price tag and thinking, I can make money out of that. I can use that. I can destroy that cash cow. So, I'm still on the fence despite the fact the evidence is pointing in the, in, in the direction that I probably should have made the move. Right, uh, moving forward, the Nits, transfers and captains, just found out this week you needed 53 points to get into the uh, into the fa- Fantasy Football Cup. Uh, so I think it looks like we've both just about made it. So we're both going to have uh, some dead team in a couple of game weeks' time on our uh, Fantasy Football uh, the rest of the season. <laughs> what transfer are you looking to make? And I guess it's between Vardy and Marnie, isn't it, this week? It's a very, very tough choice. 
Vardy's going to be the captain this game week. It, it seems like the, the um, sensible pick. So I've had a bit of a, a disaster with my captains relatively recently up until game week 16. And I realised it was because I had captained five different players in five different game weeks. And it just wasn't working out. I was missing the holes, never picking up the right players. So I thought, you know, well, actually, over this period, I'm just going to stick it on Vardy and just keep it on this guy because he's just absolutely smashing it, if we're going to be honest. Beyond all expectations of 16 goals now he's got to his name, which is frankly ridiculous. Ridiculous. And uh, yeah, his run of form is just absolutely immense. He's had 11 goals now in, in eight games and, uh, you know, scored in every single one of those games as well, which is just, just incredible. And he's got Norwich at home up next. So, yeah, I think it's got to be Vardy, hasn't it, uh, for the captaincy. Uh, but in terms of transfers, um, I'm possibly going to roll. I'm possibly going to sell um, to Mori. And um, apparently he's actually yellow flagged now. So there's a few questions about what was going on with Tamori and where we'd been dropped. And it uh, looks like um, he had been dropped to sort of the Christensen Zuma defence, but then they played so terribly as well that maybe Tamori's going to come back into the team. But I was considering selling him. So perhaps that, that will be my move. The man I was actually thinking about bringing in which I was thinking about before he hauled was, was George Bulldog of, of Sheffield United. And, and Bulldog then picked up a 14-pointer, which is a bit frustrating because you I wanted to catch that haul as opposed to, to miss it. Perhaps Tamori to Bulldog, perhaps I'll just roll it and, and save it. So I've got two um, free transfers for the liver blank, which is probably looking more likely at the moment. What about yourself? Yeah, no, I think it definitely makes sense uh, for you to roll that. I you know, don't know whether I'll be rushing in Bolduck at the moment. Obviously, you scored um, looking very, very good. You've still got Lindstrom and Sheffield United seem to, at the moment, be on a period where they're letting in one or two of the big chances, infuriatingly not Campwell's big chance, which is well saved by Dean Henderson, I think the 83rd minute or so. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, to move on to my team, the captain's got to be Vardy, hasn't it? Uh, 16 goals. He's five ahead of Tammy Abraham and uh, Aubameyang in the Golden Boot at the moment. Um, and I think that going forward, he's going to be looking to absolutely smash his uh, previous best. So the previous best was 24 goals in the Premier League winning season. He's got 16 and 16 games. So just eight off where he got in that winning season. Yeah, you'd be back him, wouldn't you? Stuart, at the moment, he's absolutely, he just looks so so on it against Aston Villa the first goal when he fluffed it any other striker would have panicked I think like, imagine if that kind of fell to Wesley at the other end like he'd have like, smashed it into Rose Ed. Uh, but Vardy took, his, took another touch took it inside tapped it in calm as you like brilliant he's the captain for Norwich because I think that uh, Mane is going to be playing uh, against RB Salzburg it's very close between those two but I think you've got to just go with Vardy at the moment it's gotten to the point I think where a Vardy captain not quite working out is going to punish you this week a lot of people with Ali with Son captain myself I was regressing it on Saturday as I mentioned very very early on the top of the pod uh, but Vardy came through and smashed it so yeah it's got to be Vardy Transfers-wise, I've removed Chilwell for Rico already. Uh, so I'm now operating with three very, very cheap players. It's just what I do next. So, Nick, uh, your advice, please. Uh, I've got two choices. One is that I remove uh, Jimenez for Rashford. The problem is, is that I was at a gig on Saturday night with our friend Rob in uh, Brighton watching the National. And by the time I got home, the price change has already happened. And I, at that point, I could have afforded Rico and Rashford uh, on a free transfer in for Jimenez and, uh, and Chilwell. Uh, but my phone was on uh, life support because I had to keep it alive, basically, to pay the Uber to get me home. <laughs> so and I missed out on that. It means I've got to get take a minus four to bring in Rashford. That's likely to be Campwell out for some, uh, Hayden. Yeah, that's, well, that's what the minus four would be. 
the other way to look at it is I just put uh, basically tried a Riker. So you know how you you went with Madison to, initially to try to Riker Vardy. Yeah, I go with Martial to try to Riker Rashford. Martial has been terrible for me over the past kind of uh, few seasons, but could this be the time? Could I be timing it right? He come in for Zaha for me. Cash on 0.0 and rum. I, I could leave it, I suppose. But I feel like it it might be worth bringing in Man United's number nine. Only 6% ownership, so that's, that seems like quite a nice way to do it. What do you reckon? I told you that I'm, I'm more of the fan of the Martial move at the moment. I quite like... Um, oh, interesting. I quite like that pick. Uh, I think he did look really good, actually, um, in the game against City. You could cover Manchester United, because I'm just not a fan of you setting him in there, as I've said that to you as well. I don't, I don't think... I don't really understand why he's being sold at the moment. I can't really get my head around it. I know they've got sort of a relatively tough run of fixtures, but you surely want him in game week 18 for that Norwich match. And and then you can think about selling him for Rashford if you still can after that, perhaps. Um, so I think I think for now you, you could probably cover Rashford with Martial. And, and that's what I would be suggesting you, you do, to be honest. I think that's that's kind of where I'm leaning right now I think I don't like the minus four aspect of the move either I feel like it's it's going to cost you a little bit and and I'm not sure if Rashid will outscore Jimenez by more than four points over the next couple of games yeah compared to what Martial will do to Zaha so and and also talking about losing losing Campbell who would be another player that you're probably going to be wanting um, in game week 18 especially over what a Isaac Hayden will offer you, which is F all. So, uh, <laughs> so um, oh. that's, that's why I'm kind of leaning at the moment on, on that particular move, Tom. So, um, you know, I don't want you to, you know, you take my advice and then abuse me. <laughs> oh, I get to return. No, but this, this ain't no Paris situation, Nick. <laughs> um, but I, I guess I, I, know, I know what you mean. It's just bringing in Martial, I think because we've done this for so long, it's got the stink of it that in a few weeks' time, I'll be sitting here saying, I should have brought in Rashford, I should have brought in the talisman. So the counterpoint is you need to abide by talisman theory. Like Martial hasn't quite got there over the last couple of seasons. I mean, who knows? Could be a season, but he's really, really lazy. Uh, so it could be the case that I bring him this week. And um, as you can probably guess, I, I'm just not really taking him by Zahar. I could leave actually and just, just sort it all out the week after, take a punt, maybe follow your dad onto Richarlison. But I, I'm just getting the feeling that Rashford's going to be so highly owned by the end of this week. But either going with the talisman or going with the right and home for the best is going to work. It's just the... Past examples like Madison for you have just put me off it all together. All right, uh, so uh, that's shot this week. Just say we are who got resist. You can find us on Twitter at WCA underscore FBL. You can find Nick at WCA underscore Nick. Listen and subscribe across the podding spectrum. Yep, and if you want to join our league, the league code is EIKX03. There's also a theme um, every week to each pod. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week and look forward to seeing all you uh, coming along on Friday. Yeah, absolutely. It should be an absolutely amazing time. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope to assist you and we'll speak to you very, very soon. It's good night from me. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Sports Social Podcast Network.